Welcome back, trainers, to a very special episode of Saturday Morning Confidential. Normally, we deep dive into the nostalgia files of the programs that our creators of today loved, but this one is for me. It's about me, and it's about, I think, something everyone in the world will love. Today is the 25th anniversary of the Pokemon video game franchise and all the wonderful things that have spun out. So I have three amazing guests with me today while we talk about the Pokemon anime and its true stamp on pop culture. So I want you all to help me welcome Bitsy Tandem, Daniel Barroso, and Matt, aka Stormageddon. Everyone, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> So I'm going to have you all three go down, uh, tell the audience who you are with your names so they get used to your gorgeous voices, <laughs> and just a little bit, a bit about who you are as a creator and just a general nerd. So Bitsy, if you want to start. Alrighty. Hi, I'm Bitsy Tandem. I write and illustrate comic books in the manga anime style, mostly about gamers. Got some other stuff going too, but I'm super into video games and tabletop games and Anything that's a game, really. <laughs> I love games. Pokemon. <laughs> that's amazing. Daniel? Hi, my name is Daniel. Um, I've been podcasting with Geek Elite Media for about five years now. Uh, Mitch and I kind of got this idea to do podcasts, uh, so we've been doing it for a while. I'm the ship poster, so I do all the memes on, on Geek Elite Media. Um, pretty much overall, your standard geek nerd, you know, DC, Marvel, things, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super, Dragon Ball, that sort of thing. And obviously Pokemon. I love that. And of course, Matt Storm. Yes. Uh, so listeners of this show are no stranger to me. I've been on previously as I bothered Matt until he let me do the Aladdin episode. Um, so I'm very grateful for that if you go back in the archives, but... On this version of the show, I was very excited to come on and talk about Pokemon. I've been playing Pokemon since Pokemon Green, an emulated version, because we didn't get that in the States. Um, but I've been playing Pokemon my whole life. I've been watching anime my whole life. Um, I started with Ronin Warriors, I realized the other day, which, like, I don't think anybody watches anymore. And I barely remember. I mostly remember it for the action figures, because they had these, like, cool samurai armor sets. Um but I'm, a, I'm your garden variety nerd of all kinds. I'm deep into music, anime, video games, um, TV movies. Um, I have an insane amount of podcasts on this network and off the network. Um, and we'll probably talk more about that later. We will. Uh, Matt, it's funny you bring up Ronan Warriors. I still have all of the action figures in the in, on the packaging. So I started working KB Toys right at the time that they were all putting them on clearance. And so I got them when they used to mark their action figures three for $10. Oh. So I bought all of them. I might be missing like one or two, but like they are in a storage unit in a box somewhere, like still on the card because I was old enough to appreciate it. But I, I don't remember much of the anime, but I remember thinking the boys were cute and they had badass armor which are like the only two things i need like give me badass armor and mac with some transformation and cute japanese boys like mm, <laughs> it's all i need <laughs> yeah i so i was i didn't i don't know if i knew how much i liked boys as well as girls and everything in between back then but definitely the pretty boys plus the armor did something for me i would have to admit it, it, yeah 
You know what? I, I don't need much in life. I think it's why I like Rennie's now. Like, I don't need much in life. Um, but I've gathered you all together here to talk about something very special to me, and I think special to all of you, which is Pokemon. Um, I would just love to hear what all of your first experiences kind of with the franchise were, whether it was the game or the anime, and kind of why it stuck with you over the last 25 years. Awesome. Um, I actually grew up with the VHS couple of them we had we had three or four different vhs tapes of pokemon and um me and my cousins we had this tiny little tv and we would sit there and watch all of them almost every day and we'd like rewind it with our fingers and put it back in and rewatch it like all the time over and over and over i love that (laughs) and i um let's see used to watch cartoons before going to school um i believe it was on the wb now known as the cw where they did pokemon monday through friday uh so i started with the show actually when it started airing on tv uh obviously got pokemon blue that was the first game i got and then um spent a lot of time in mexico in my childhood so believe it or not they had pokemon pogs when you bought a bag of chips so that was pretty cool so that got me into it too (laughs) pokemon pogs oh I I was at Target the other day and they had pogs. Like they had a box of pogs with slammers and everything. With like what? and y'all know I fucking bought them. If if I'm mad storm knows this about me, I have control issues. So like I literally like snatched them and held on to them throughout the whole store. Cause I was like, I never played with pogs before, but I had a tube full of them. Uh so I sure as uh, I sure as heck still bought those. So <laughs> amazing. And Matt Storm, we actually uh, are going to talk about it a little bit on your show coming up a week from today. Uh, but why don't you give the, the audience a little bit about your background with Pokemon as well? Sure. So, yeah. So, um, as Matt alluded to on uh, this two-week cycle of fun and games, uh, a podcast I do with the incredible Jeff Moonen, we were talking about the Pokemon video game franchise. But, of course, we talk about other things Pokemon related as well. Um, and as I stated there, I will restate here. Um, since this is in the past from that future. Never mind. I don't want my eyes to cross. Uh, um, I started playing Pokemon because a close friend of mine, Roy, when we were younger, emulated it. And i <laughs> dating myself. So I played Pokemon Green on a three and a half a floppy disk. I would bring the ROM home, play it, level up my Pokemon, and then I would bring the ROM on the floppy disk to his house. He'd put it in his computer and pull up two windows, and then we'd be able to trade and battle on his computer. Um, so that's my earliest experience was with a fan-translated green version, Pocket Monsters Green. Um, and then once I got my hands on a Game Boy, I think about a year later, the first Pokemon game I bought was Pokemon Yellow. Um, and at that point, I think I had already started the watch- watching the anime. It's hard to remember which came first but um like you mentioned before i i definitely watched it uh, in the mornings like getting ready for school like i absolutely remember the wb like dbc pokemon block of of shows and then i feel like after school they had it also and like we're gonna get to it but like watching some of these episodes today i distinctly remember seeing them for the first time i remembered scenes clear as crystal when when we got to them um but yeah i think uh, I definitely started with the Game Boy games, and then I've I've pretty much played most of them since. I love that. And for me, I actually started with the anime. Now, for me, um, they 
actually came on Fox on in my area on the Fox syndication mm-hmm. at 2.30 in the afternoon. And we got out of school at 2.20. And I only had an antenna. So <laughs> not everything always came through, especially in the afternoon for some reason. Um, any of my antenna kids will know that in the morning and late at night was the best time for reception. I think it's because the sky was clear. There was no solar. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a technologist. <laughs> I'm barely a podcaster, but here we are. Um, uh, yeah, and so I couldn't play the games because I didn't have a Game Boy, but I remember one of the episodes today that we watched and we're going to discuss was my first episode. So I was a little confused, um, but it was weird because you would think they're trying to introduce this franchise. And while they had a ton of episodes banked because it had been out for so long in Japan, um, playing it Monday through Friday, I don't know if it made it easier for kids to watch regularly or harder, or if it was kind of existed in a way that it almost didn't matter where we were dropped into Ash's story. Um, so what we'll do before we kind of talk about Pokemon in general, I gave our lovely guests about 10 episodes to watch from the first 20 episodes um, because around that time it really followed the game pretty, pretty closely. Um, and it would give you some little cheats of maybe what to do in the game. Also, in some of these episodes, when like Misty's trying to help Ash, you're actually, the kids are learning about Pokemon types and what's going to help each other in a battle. And so I never thought about it that way until I was rewatching it this time. And I went, oh, I would now understand <laughs> that it would appeal to watch the anime um, uh, and whatnot. So what I like to say on our show is not if it's good or bad, but is it effective storytelling or ineffective storytelling? So we're going to talk kind of, as storytellers and creators of, you know, what we kind of think about this with an adult gaze on a kid's show, which, you know, it's difficult, but also uh, also registering that nostalgia goggles are going to be very real for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what was everyone's experience rewatching? And maybe let us know the last time you might have put on some Pokemon episodes, because Indigo League has been streaming probably for about six years. Um, on different platforms, you've been able to watch it. So I guess just let us know what your first thoughts for were rewatching, and then maybe the last time it was that you visited the series. For me, it was uh, really familiar. I'm, I've, uh, like I said, we had those ones on VHS, so that's like the episodes we had <laughs> were the first ones, and then like the ones where he gets the Pokemon. So it skips that mm-hmm. middle bit, but we we had like first four, and then all the the four getting the Pokemon, the Bulbasaur, Charizard, um, Squirtle. And um, it was really cool like going back through it, though I've I've done that multiple times throughout my life. So it's like it's like an old friend, you know? It's like you, you approach these episodes and you're like, ah, yes, you guys again, my old friends, Ash and Misty and all them. And um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I've watched the full series at least twice all the way through over the years. I just... It probably due to do another one. I mean, I just watched the first half, so let's go all the way through. <laughs> Why not? Might as well. Right? Again, yeah. time three. How, how about you, Dan? Uh, for me, it was uh, pretty much very familiar. I still remember a lot of the stuff uh, going into it because it's been about five years since I watched uh, the first season all over again. I was like, crap, did I think last time the, the dub was horrible or was it good i was like okay no it's not that bad actually and um so i remember it pretty well i was like oh yeah this happened that happened right that happens and then also um 
obviously as a kid watching it didn't get a lot of the adult humor now watching it as an adult was like oh i get that now <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah absolutely how about you matt Stern? so it's interesting the, the, so i haven't watched indigo league in a long time so much so that when i was looking for it on netflix i knew it was there when when i was growing up back in my day pokemon didn't have a subtitle it was just pokemon but they retroactively gave it the name indigo league because it's gone on to do all of the games pretty much to some degree or another but it's been it's i probably haven't watched these episodes since i was a kid it's possible that maybe in my early college years it was just on and I might have watched it because some of these episodes I remembered beat for beat and there's no way I remembered them beat for beat after like 20 years. It's not possible. My memory is very bad. Um, but my recent experience with Pokemon actually was during the sun and moon seasons. I have a friend who played the professor in that in those seasons, my friend Abe Goldfarb, who is phenomenal. Um, and also my friend Schaefer the Dark Lord, Mark Schaefer, did a rap song for a Pokemon episode as one of the skull something, the bad guys. One of them raps, and he got to be the voice of the rapper and do a rap song, which was so cool. I remember when he shared it, I was just kind of like, because he's a big Star Wars nerd and he's a giant geek. Mm -hmm. um, he's got some incredible music. I highly recommend it. But like to see him be so giddy about being in the Pokemon anime as a grown ass man like I am like it was just it was really cool um, and so that's how th that's the little bit I've watched of the more recent stuff but honestly since Indigo League I think I watched some of Black and White a little bit because I feel like because I, I as we'll talk about on Fun and Games that was my reintroduction to Pokemon I kind of took a little break and then came back for Black and White um, but I don't really remember much of the anime beyond Indigo League. However, like I said, mm -hmm. rewatching these 10 episodes that you recommended, I remembered, I think, almost every moment of every episode. I think there were minor moments in some of the episodes that like were fuzzy, but for the most part, I remembered it pretty crystal clear. So I must have watched the first couple of seasons of this anime many, many times before mm -hmm. moving on or losing interest or whatever. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I According to my Netflix, which I have had this account for a very long time, um, maybe since like 2006, like I'm a long time I've had this account. So at some point, or someone on my account, all eight of you with my password, you're listening. I know you are. <laughs> so one of you or I have watched most of Indigo League because it was starting me on like episode 56. Okay. And I went, Okay, or it's one that I put on and slept to and something happened. I don't know. Um, but yeah, these, no, obviously, I'm the one that picked these episodes for you to watch because I kind of went back through and was looking for a couple to rewatch early on that kind of set up a long-term story or set up long-term characters um, or also featured Team Rocket in a way that I thought was just delightful because let's be honest, after a point, I can't coming back to this series for Team Rocket. Because I'm a Team Rocket stan. Same. I will talk about... I, I think I say it on every single show that I have guested on. Uh, that I am a Team Rocket stan. To the end of like... I even really like Giovanni as a gym leader. But also a villain. Um, and so... You know, Jesse and James are ridiculous. Uh, and... Uh, you know, what's really funny is... Dan, you talk about the idea of... Is the voice acting good or is the voice acting bad? And I remember watching it probably about... Six years ago, I watched through a bunch of this, which must have been when uh, I did it the last time. Um, 
And I went, oh, some of the voices early. And I went, no, no. and now I go, no, 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 no. They were finding the voices yeah. because um, uh, Erica Schroeder, who will be a guest on Serial Killer Radio Hour this coming Wednesday, um, joined the show about midway through Johto um, and took over a lot of voices. And she said early on a lot of what they were doing or what she will say to everyone. God, I recorded this whole event so out of order <laughs> that it's like in the future, in the past, this is the literal last thing, but it's going to be the first thing this broadcast. Um, some, some behind the scenes for our 14, uh, no, I'm kidding, to all of our incredible listeners out there. Um, but she talked about early on and with a lot of animes, because she also worked on Yu-Gi-Oh! That... Uh, it was trying to get as close to the richness and tone of the Japanese voices. Yep. And then they kind of developed their own or like uh, early on the things I caught in the first three were uh, like, I know now that Jesse and Misty are voiced by the same actress, but Jesse doesn't have, doesn't have her that iconic Jesse-ness to her voice yeah. quite yet in those first couple. And they, she sounds a lot like Misty and James doesn't sound anything like James but I think this time around that was actually more fun for me to go back and listen to and go oh they're building this and you could hear Veronica Taylor playing with who Ash was because he's like an 11 year old that smokes a pack of Marlboro Reds every day like he's got that gravel he's got the like you know that woman Sheila she's always at the bar yeah. she always like so it's slightly feminine but like the sisters from the Simpsons. I don't, I don't know why. I just like to envision Ash and Pikachu, but it's Ryan Reynolds Pikachu sitting on the couch, just like smoking. drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Let me tell you, well, it blew not. my young mind when I realized that most little boys were voiced by old, older women. Like I just, yeah. cause I'm a voice actor nerd now. So now I understand that anyone can voice anything, but like as a kid, I was like, wait, Bart and Ash are both ladies. I don't understand. Uh -huh. Like it oh, just yeah. blew my mind. Well, and that's why when like Steven Universe came out and, and I was like, oh, Zach Carlson. Oh, a boy's voicing a younger boy. That never happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> um, so I guess let's just go through. And so this is a free for all for all of us to just kind of start chatting. Um, what were some, so looking at the story compared to the games, um, I know I, again, I really was impressed early on where I went, uh, they really did kind of think about this early on of like, oh, the first two or three Pokemon you're going to see are a Caterpie, a Pidgey, a Rattata, a Spearow. Sometimes they would be the surprise things. Um, and I'm playing through Blue for the first time ever. I've never played Gen 1. So nice. to play that while I was also watching this, like I have to admit that I was playing Blue while I was watching because for me, um, Pokemon's fun, and I've learned this because I'm also we watched. I've watched these ten episodes. I'm playing Blue. I'm playing Sword and Shield, and I've watched both Pokemon one, two, and three, the movies for this kind of event this week. So I'm very Pokemon centrist mind. But the thing with the anime is, I'm realizing, especially as an adult, going back and visiting it, it doesn't intrigue me the same way it did earlier. But it it it's like Bitsy said, they're old friends. Mm -hmm. to, so to come <laughs> home to them, it feels very warm and fuzzy, and kind of remembering those things. But I didn't feel like I needed to hone all my intention in on it, which also kind of made me feel like I was 12 again, which was really cool. I don't know what y'all's experiences were actually like getting into this and uh, breaking the story down and stuff, but like uh, kind of what, what was that like for you guys in, in those moments? It's kind of interesting. So I living in Japan, um, I only have access to Japanese Netflix um, unless I mm -hmm. like, use some like, what is it? VPN. 
Uh, I need to get one of those. (laughs) But um, so I turn it on and I'm like, I know this is in English. Why is there no English option on here? There's not even English subtitles. There's Japanese and Japanese subtitles. So I'm listening to it and it's like calling Ash Satoshi. And I'm just like, this is wrong. And um, the theme song in Japanese is terrible. It's not the theme song. It's not the theme song. It's just some random song. It made me cry a little. (laughs) So I think we need to talk about that too. I don't know about you all, but I had all of the pop CDs they released, Mm -hmm. like the To Be A Master album. I'm sorry, it still slaps. I put it on at least once a month. I listen to it all the time. Like if I'm traveling anywhere, if I'm someone, I'm always like, we're on the road to the CA. Um, And I might have actually sung that in a musical theater audition before because I have the sheet music. Nice. Like the piano sheet music to the To Be A Master. So for me, I think between the movies and then getting to revisit the show, I really like the like, pop was selling everything. Yeah. And it kind of showed that four kids for their their weaknesses, which, you know, we could do a whole podcast about the lineage of four kids as a dubbing producer. Mm -hmm. Um, They really kind of got their, one of the things they got right was getting their finger on the pulse of pop culture and using music in a way that still felt right in world, but it was so close to what was on the radio that it was so easy to sell to everyone. Well, yeah, I would say that, well, for one, the theme song to the Pokemon anime is something that if you've seen this show and you like Pokemon, you can sing it from start to finish. End of story, full stop. In fact, I hear the notes in my head now that we're talking about it, and it takes all of my self-control not to start singing it, and I won't do that to (laughs) you. Something musically that caught me off guard with the anime, especially with the first three or four episodes, because I think we watched the first three in succession and then started Mm -hmm. skipping. Yes. They mm-hmm. use the main Pokemon th- battle theme a lot. And I hadn't remembered yes, that. Yes, they do. And it, it, it was mostly always appropriate. There were a few times where it felt like, why? Like, this seems, you don't need this here, like, just to wrap up the episode. But, like, mm-hmm. it was all genuinely melded really well. And I, for, I just, I forget how closely connected the anime was to the cartoon, to the game, rather. And that Pokemon theme, the battle theme, really pulls it together. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to say about the voice acting... The first three episodes were hard to pl- to watch. Like, nostalgia <laughs> carried me through, but the voice acting is not good. Um, it gets better, and I think the writing also gets better, which helps. I think the writing in the first three episodes mm-hmm. is very much, this is a kid's show, talking to kids. We're talking very slowly, and, you know, it, it was fine. It wasn't bad. I've seen worse, but, like, it, I definitely, as an adult, felt a little talked down to, because I don't think kids mm-hmm. need that kind of language, but this was also the 90s and 2000s. is very different than cartoons are now. Mm-hmm. That said, once we got to, like, the midpoint of the 10 episodes we were watching, things started to kick into gear, because also the first couple times that, because also another thing that I have to recite from start to finish when I hear one line of is the Team Rocket speech. I know it by heart. We all do. <laughs> of and so, like, but in the first couple of episodes, Jesse and James are out of sync when they say it together. You know, the, their emphasis is really different and then later on in the later episodes they don't say the same lines they mostly take Mm -hmm. turns until the very end Um, but even Meowth like the Meowth that's right felt better towards the end of those 10 episodes because like they really figured Mm -hmm. out what they were doing and like I think that if I were to recommend this anime to anyone I would especially if they're already Pokemon fans I might have them skip those early episodes but then again (laughs) it's hard because 
while the Caterpie episode was harder to watch, the impact of the last episode we're going to talk about is lost if you don't watch that first episode because yeah. the montage leads you to that. Um, yeah, I, I, I forgot how much I knew of the show and like the voice, the one thing I will say about the voice actors is the Pokemon voice actors are so iconic. That was the one thing about the game that was so hard for me is that I, like I wanted to hear the Pokemon talk to me and like even in the newer games, they don't really do it. Thankfully, Pikachu and a few others are being voiced in the games now, but a lot of the other ones are still sound effects and I get that, that's the lineage of the games, but like mm -hmm. I remember, Bulbasaur is one of my favorites and I remember his voice in that episode so distinctly, the Baba, Bulbasaur, like the way he sounds, the kind <laughs> of gravel or even the Squirtle Squad, like I remember those voices so distinctly. Even, I can't remember the voice actor's name, but the person who plays Coughing, like the trail on Coughing, like I remember all yeah. of that, like absolutely lit up the nostalgia part of my brains and I absolutely remember all of that stuff. And I think mm -hmm. that's where the voice acting is strong from moment one is all of the Pokemon sound great. Mm -hmm. The humans grew into it, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say that something that always imprints on me now, I would show if we're talking about legacy and how to build a franchise, I would always have someone play the first 20 minutes of the Pokemon game, the first one, and then watch the first 10 minutes of the first anime yeah. and how succinct they are together. I love the opening of the anime. I think it is so solid. The idea that they give us the flipping little game yeah, freak uh -huh. thing and then it grows. I forgot about that, and, yeah. And it's it's one of those where I literally like honed in on it. And it, uh, you know, kind of as soon as we meet Ash, I get pulled out of it. Cause something we're gonna learn today is I hate Ash Ketchum. <laughs> the worst. Um, uh, the eternal 10 year old, I just, I can't. But I also want us to talk at some point, put a pin into the idea of living in a world that sends 10 year olds on a journey with wild beasts. I can tell you something about uh, that. <laughs> well, we will, we will get to that then. Cause I, it's something that it's the one thing that and like, I think it's been brought up on all the podcasts so far or will be. The idea of in a contemporary gaze of not even political correctness, but the idea of just the world we live in, justifying a world where we're okay with essentially, uh, you're good, uh, with essentially Olympic level dogfighting. Like, you know, it's one of those things that's like, normally I'm never one that's like, it's a suspension of disbelief, but I'm also like, it's a suspension of disbelief, y'all. Let's just go, they're cute, let's do it. Um, but I will say from the beginning of the, the flaws that I, I too found in the first three episodes, Mount Storm, I think that, that they launch in in such a way that is so clearly in tune um, in that it was evident that they were working closely when the Japanese company was making the anime. Um, with the creators. Um, and again, you know, four kids for good or bad, you could tell that four kids was trying to be on the pulse of what a teenagers in America want, but it also kind of feels like the Steve Buscemi uh, meme of, hello, my fellow youths, <laughs> um, you know, at the same time, which, you know, it's, you know, it's hard to talk about four kids and not talk about their one piece, which is notorious, which, Again, Erica was the voice of Luffy in that four kids, one piece. Um, and she's amazing. There's, you know, but you know, it's, they were doing American 
American audiences were not taking anime seriously at all. And so the dubbing companies had no reason to. So seeing kind of how four kids kept that intro, um, cause they could have easily cut it. They could have easily chopped those first couple episodes together. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and it is still evident to me that, uh, it's, it's so weird that we can sell franchises from a storytelling standpoint on a protagonist who's not particularly likable and just just pure dumb luck. I don't know if you all saw that too. It's the thing that I dislike Harry Potter as a character outside of JK being a turf monster. Um, I've never really cared for Harry Potter as a character for that idea that like, sure he's a natural born leader, but he's just got dumb luck and Ash Ketchum very much the same way. He doesn't even really, you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but he doesn't even, the th- I think the thing for me, storytelling wise, that I guess as an adult didn't make sense to me, but as a kid, I was like, if I have enough charisma, I can do anything. <laughs> was the fact that Ash doesn't actually beat his first two gems. Nope, nope. That wouldn't fly in the games. You, you are stuck <laughs> there, my friends. Um, and so I think that was the first thing that got me rewatching the anime was like, this motherfucker doesn't even defeat them. Sure. He saves the day and sure. He reunites Brock with his dad, but like also talking about storm when you were like the first couple episodes are kind of Bob, but by the time we jump ahead and I was like, yeah, we go from literally bratty kids to like reuniting lost families. Yeah. I was also like, are all dads deadbeat dads in this universe? <laughs> Cause Ash's dad disappeared and died or is just gone. But then Brock's dad is just like watching creepily from not so afar. I I don't know what y'all thought about that, but that was for me. Like the first thing as an adult that I went, okay. (laughs) I do think that has a lot to do with the culture here in Japan too. Like you were saying, the um, character that Ash is with like having the dumb luck and then the father figures not being around is a very real thing here in Japan because it's the father's job to be at work all the time and not raise the kids so they're very much absent from their kids lives it's been changing a lot right now um we've been Mm -hmm. seeing a lot more familial um it's called like promotion I guess they're wanting more dads to connect with their kids but two years ago you know if you were, you know, 10 years old, you barely knew your dad. Mm-hmm. As yeah, a lot of those nice. weird cultural things, especially with like, you're saying the characters of um, Ash Ketchum and um, Harry Potter have that like innate, just like they just get things because they're special. That's definitely mm-hmm. cultural. They have this obsession with like um, talent, like you're just born talented mm-hmm. and that makes you closer mm-hmm. to godliness. Like, just better than everyone else and that's a really cultural thing and um it's interesting because they they don't like degrade you if you're not talented but if you are talented you're expected to have like this high level of like you have to be the best at everything and you get stuff because you are talented and you're you know closer to the kami than we are so you have to you know be that (laughs) So that's interesting then, because then it explains the Gary situation. Because, you know, Gary's also notorious. <laughs> Gary. Smell you later, Gramps. Uh, that <laughs> 90s voice. I'll see you Hello, later. Gary. Oh, so 90s. <laughs> oh, you mean, you mean the accent that they just made Brooklyn and then he's Joey Wheeler. Oh, Baby Dragon. <laughs> it's the, the only voice Baby that is Dragon. not super accurate. <laughs> no. The voices are so, so accurate. True. And then there's Gary. <laughs> 
But so my other first thought was like, yeah, Ash is worthless. But I was also like, why didn't his mom wake him up? Like, she's a really caring and wonderful mom. But also she's like, I'm going to miss you so much. I was like, then don't let him go. Your son's a fuck up. Maybe keep him at home till he's 11. (laughs) Make him stay. Um, But yeah, I was shocked because I didn't really remember the like, the entire uh, the entirety of Pallet Town being there to send Gary yeah. off in a car, also in a car, <laughs> a, a girl that's gonna go. I was like, okay, have fun to your first patch of tall grass, Gary. <laughs> being the marshal of your own gay pride parade there. Okay, we all know Gary's the mean gay bully. We all know Gary's gonna come out and apologize to Ash for being a bully later. <laughs> but Gary's the mean gay bully. Um. <laughs> um I queer code this show a lot. I hope you guys are ready uh, for my also my TED talk about why Misty's a lesbian. Um, I mean, it, you, but, you don't. Uh, there's not much really convincing tough. needed. I feel like. Uh, yeah, that's pretty. It's true. It's true. It's really true. <laughs> Um, you know, I, th- I like to think later that she shows up uh, dating either a Joy or a Jenny. <laughs> and Brock is like, oh, man, they're so pretty. And she's like, yes, and she's mine. <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned, you mentioned Brock. And I, I like so my oh. memory of Brock is that he was really creepy. And I'm, I'm happy to say that at least rewatching these episodes, he's, he's not so much creepy as he is just lovesick mm-hmm. and a little... Um, like he's just not bright yeah he's a little extra and not very bright and like that's okay i i thought i and he may get creepier later but like he's not i i I had this distinct memory of him being kind of predatory and he wasn't he was just very he crushes easily and like he you know is often flabbergasted and lovesick and, and more like a puppy and i think that's fine and that's sweet um i can still understand how that would make women uncomfortable um, and that portrayal could, but it, it felt more harmless than I recalled it being. I've never felt it. And I think knowing... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, also... Oh, sorry, Betsy. I didn't mean to keep... I didn't mean to talk over you. That's fine. I was just going to say that I I never found him very creepily. For me, it was always like puppy dog, you know? It always seemed like yeah. a cute, you know, puppy dog getting too excited. And um, But I'm not much of a girl, so <laughs> who am I to say? <laughs> <laughs> Gender's made up anyway, it's fine. Um, but, you, well, you know what? It's I always have to keep reminding myself that Ash is 10, Misty is also 10, and Brock is 15. Yeah. So when you think about him as a 15-year-old boy, it's way less creepy, yeah. and you're just like, oh, he's just a dumb little nerd boy. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know how to talk to girls. I just didn't know how to be friends or talk to boys. No. Should have figured something out. <laughs> Um, when I was 15 and I went, oh, he gets way more of a car blanche to me at that point. When, all, Especially when Joy's and Jenny's are, the Jenny's are like, whatever, kid, peace. Right. And he's like, oh, they don't love me. <laughs> um, though, again, that is still that weird thing where I go, these 10-year-olds are sure out here on their own. Um, though Time's weird in this show. I'm, I'm not going to think about time because I was like, wait, how long has Brock's dad been? And how long was his mom dead? Because some of those siblings are like three or four. So I was like, um, okay, don't think about time. Just don't think about time. <laughs> what were some things that really stood out for you guys that were either you really loved or you went, oh, on second rewatch, you went, oh, that's different uh, this time around. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think for me, uh, 
I mentioned earlier that I feel like the voice acting isn't as good as it gets later. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd say one of the things that really stood out to me talking about queer coding the show is like <laughs> my bisexual heart loved Jesse and James more than I really <laughs> thought I knew. Because like revisiting yeah. it, yeah. I'm just like, they're such icons. They're, they're such goofballs. Like, you know, I love a good halter top with, you know, the midriff and a nice skirt. Like that outfit is just fly anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I think the the thing that uh, revisiting it, the thing that I love the most is the Pokemon and the mm-hmm. like the episode where where we meet Bulbasaur, the Hidden Village. That episode mm-hmm. is one of the best Toda Tip video uh, episodes, I think, just because of the narrative and the morals and just kind of how it mm-hmm. is and how Bulbasaur is portrayed as this protector. Um, it's just a really cute episode, and I think episodes like that are still a high point for me, you know, or even the Squirtle Squad mm-hmm. episode, which is just so goofy, but is really fun and silly. Um, mm-hmm. And the messaging, I think, holds up. I think that was my favorite thing about the rewatch, is like the Tentacruel episode, which is much later on in the section of episodes we watched, and of course Bye Bye Butterfree, which makes me cry every time I watch it. Every time! <laughs> it, those, those are very much life lesson episodes that aren't preachy but mm-hmm. feel good and like even the butterfree thing like they use gender a little bit for, for the most part they don't it's just the blue butter the purple butterfree likes the mm-hmm. pink butterfree like mm-hmm. and i love that i think it, it it was one of the sweetest ways i've seen love and friendship depicted in a show that didn't have to make like spell it out for you that it just was and it was beautiful and like there was no, like, like, Pikachu was crying at the end of Bye Bye Butterfree. Ash was, and Ash was sad, but then he was happy for his friend. Like, it's just really mm-hmm. healthy and beautiful. And I think that's the thing that surprised me most upon this rewatch, is that the morals are pretty much still good, intact, up-to-date, and enjoyable and sweet. I agree. So I'm going to stop us just for a second. So for our listeners at home, um, I had our guest watch episode one, Pokemon I Choose You, episode two, episode three, episode five, episode seven, episode 10, 11, 12, episode 18, and ending with episode 21. So if you want to pause and go watch those, come back, or if you want to watch those when we're done and give us your opinion on social media, I would love that. So we're going to be jumping around between those episodes, and I just considered those as keystone episodes between the first three episodes when we're meeting Ash and see him as a trainer, getting the three iconic starters, which no one else in this world gets to do, apparently. (laughs) Um... And then also, um, I had us do, well, and then the two, his first two gems, I had us do Tentacool and Tentacruel because it was the first episode I ever saw. Mm. And then you can't do these first couple episodes and not talk Bye Bye Butterfree yep. because it was the first time that we understood that sometimes, sometimes people leave you halfway <laughs> through the wood. Um, can't do this without a musical theater reference. Sorry guys. Um, and, but also just that it showed the respect of trainers to the world that they are occupying. And they were doing a really nice job of building rules of the world without beating us over the head with them. They gave them to us, um, along the way. Um, so, I guess let's start with 
the gems, the first two gems, because they are the points where we really deviate from our explorations of the games as trainers, and uh, where we could, you know, wear red or blue, or we are similar to Ash, and Ash does look a lot like red or blue, who were the trainers in those first two American games. Um, and it's, you know, we get there and it is a little bit different, but they're also pushing that story. Um, again, I'm also always shocked to remember, because I always think of like Lieutenant Surge and Sabrina and Erica, who are older, or like Lance, the dragon trainer in Johto. Um, but realizing it's like, oh, some of these are just kids too. I, You know, it's just that thing I keep going, wow, this is a world where you literally peak at like 15, 16. <laughs> like that's so wild to me. Um, but also I loved, they did a nice job, I think, especially from an American standpoint of separating Misty from her sisters and developing Brock as a really caring person because we would see that role forward as who he is as a trainer and a Pokemon breeder, which I think they did so much for both of those characters with having us to do so little, especially for a kid's show. Yeah, sure. Um, you want... What were some of y'all's... Oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna... I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit more about why they are so young, um, if you were wondering about that cultural impact. I would love to. <laughs> if you want to throw that out there, I would love to hear that because, you know, a lot of American audiences, while there is much more of a western knowledge now about japanese culture in a way that's not you know i am the weeb master <laughs> you know it's very i think it's very important culturally to look at what the show was in japan and then how it was handled and it was treated here and you still have to just follow some of those rules so if you want to throw some of that out there for us i would love that sure well it actually blew my mind when we moved here but now that i've been here almost two years it's kind of um it's kind of just normal now it's like reason Pokemon, you know, all the people are so young, it's it's not even like a thing here. Like a, J a Japanese person never would think that it's not okay to send your 10 year old out on a mission. I mean, maybe it's a little intense going across the world, but um, they're very independent at a very young age. You are not allowed to drop your child off at school. They have to walk unless you live way out in the sticks and you need to drive them into town. But like toddlers, like um, elementary school and up, Kids walk or bike to school by themselves. You do not, you know, they can't have cell phones. You they you just let your kid go out the door and you trust they'll be home. And they're supposed to be home after that five o'clock announcement bell rings on the air raid sirens. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy. Like you see these like three or four, like tiny, tiny little, like maybe eight year olds, maybe younger with these little hats on. They're so cute. And they walk around in their little hats and their adorable sailor suits and they're just there's like three or four of them and nobody yeah. around there's no adults and i'm like they're, they're <laughs> tiny. you can't let these children walk around by themselves but they do that and um high school is actually optional here so once you graduate middle school once you're 15 you're an adult you can work you can go straight from middle school right into your job position. You don't have to do high school. It's optional, it's extended education. It's for people who wanna to go to college and or go to a trade school that needs a high school degree. Um, other than that, you can just start working at the local Combini Family Mart and, or you know, work at your father's, you know, maybe you live on a rice farm or something and you just go right into the work field at 15, 14. So it's crazy how young they start just being independent and uh, 
you watch Pokemon and you're like, oh, that makes sense because that's what they do in Japan. And uh, yeah, maybe they don't send them across the world, but. (laughs) (laughs) Versus me with a helicopter mother, a Southern helicopter mother, where I could just not comprehend that. Though Matt Storm, you're a New Yorker, like you're a New Yorker, New Yorker. So like that kind of makes me think of kids that I met when I moved there and they were like, and my friends would be like, yeah, we walked to school from like age 10 or 11. It's just a thing. It's fine. We stopped at the bodega. We got breakfast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I grew um, up in the suburbs and I'm also Jewish right. and my mother yeah. is a stereotypical Jewish mother, uh, another helicopter parent. Um, and like, so like if I was running late to get home, she'd just yell out the window for me. She didn't care how embarrassing it was for me. And she wasn't embarrassed. She didn't give a shit. Um, so, like, I, I also was kind of dumbfounded, but also I grew up in an era of cartoons where the hero's journey was pretty common for young kids, you mm-hmm. know, and especially mm-hmm. the Nickelodeon shows and stuff. And so, and you know, a lot of animes. I mean, think about the first time Gohan was in a fight is when he was practically a baby. Um, mm-hmm. Still kicked Raditz's ass. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I think that uh, hearing what you're saying... Uh, it, Bitsy, it it does put it in perspective. It does make a lot more sense. Um, but it was still, it was still. I, I don't think I overthought it that much. Now as an adult, I'm like, get those kids home. What the hell are they doing out? Because like I'm that kind of that kind of parental unit, the 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 over coddler, as it were, sometimes. So, you know. But yeah, I, I think it is a really fascinating way to look at the anime now. Right? Is the, with this perspective yeah, of yeah. like, oh, I guess that's just what they do. I mean, yeah. if I could go out at ten and catch pocket monsters, I would too. So you know. <laughs> Oh hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah. Though I wanna, I wanna bring up just for a moment that you know I have some uh, WTF notes that I took. Um, I want to talk about Ash's mom, Professor Oak, and Ash's mom's weird Mister Mime. Like it's something that is still upsetting to me till this day. Like I don't understand how having a Mr. Mime in your home growing up was not creepy and jarring. Like, I just don't get it. And there was no way that Ash's mom was not dating Professor Oak. There was no way. Isn't there a Pokedex entry that says that Mr. Mime assumes the father position if they have an absent father in the family and that's why he's tagging along Mm. with her? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, and it is charming because like it starts to rain in the second movie and Mr. Mime runs in and grabs an umbrella and comes out and holds it over over uh, Delia. And I was just like, oh, Mr. Mime. Oh, you precious bean. But also, why are you so creepy? Like, I just, you know, he's coming in to tuck Ash in, and Ash looks up and it's just a Mr. Mime over him, <laughs> smiling him in a creepy way. Again, that's me being a overly imaginative human being who thinks about what worlds they want to live in that's not the hellscape that is our world, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, really, honestly, thinking, what if you all, would you all have journeyed out at 10 if you could have? Uh, like knowing who you were as a 10 year old, if your parents have been like, cool, let's go, go, you head out, go, go get this monster and y'all be good friends. Would you all have left and actually done a journey or would you have stayed in your town? Probably would have left. <laughs> I was a headstrong 10 year old. What about you, Dan? I probably would stay home, <laughs> uh, stay home for like another year or two and then venture out. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's just me. I was an indoor kid. Like, uh, like, let's be real. The pandemic sucks for everybody, but like, be not having to make plans and being able to play more games when I'm not working. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would have gone out. I was not a um, an active kid growing up. I mean, I played sports and, and would hang out with friends outside, but I just don't think I would have ever gone out into the world. That was not for me. Uh, I'll sit at home <laughs> with my Game Boy and pretend to go out in the world. That's just fine for me. I think I would have done day trips. I would have been, when Tracy was introduced, I, un, I was far more character wise in tune with Tracy than I was as Brock as fun as Brock was because Tracy was that like Pokemon researcher and he sketched and he had the cool headband <laughs> um though I was not the cool headband kid even though I tried um uh yeah I feel like I would have tried to be Professor Oak's like kid assistant I don't think I would have I don't think I would have ventured out um Though, let's be honest, if someone came to my town and tried to recruit me for Team Rocket, I probably would have joined. Me too. Especially <laughs> if it were Jesse and James. But then I probably would have gotten mad when I have to choose between a Rattata, a Golbat, or, um, or like a Meowth. I would have been like, that's all I get? Oh, maybe a Grimer. I probably would have ended up with a Grimer and a Coughing, or or a Coughing and a, an Ekans, honestly. Like, because they all have two or three, I proud of. But then, like, when you get the second game, and I was like, ooh, Houndour? Oh, I'll get a Houndour. That's great. I'll join Team Rocket League. I'll get little Devil Doggy. I'll get him. I'll get our little Dark Beam. <laughs> give me a Mischievous and a, give me a Mischievous and a Houndour. We'll call it a day. <laughs> I'm that doesn't say a lot about me nice sorry go ahead uh, i just i would have totally left home because i had this grand idea that i was going to grow up to be laura croft and i was like the most nice. badass thing on existence <laughs> i was cool i shaved my head twice i had a mohawk <laughs> i was <Nice>. ready <laughs> That is very I would have cool. left and I would have caught Pokemon and then I would have missed my mommy and, <laughs> <laughs> and I would have gone home so fast. Maybe, maybe like weak tops, like on my, like. <laughs> but maybe enough time to catch a couple Pokemon. Yeah. So you would have at least gone home with some cool Pokemon. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah, you would, I would have regrouped you would have and tried again. <laughs> and then. Though some, something I forgot that is in this first, uh, second, uh, third episode, when they get to Viridian. That's third, third episode. episode. Second episode, yeah. Um, is the four panels of the legendary Pokemon, mm -hmm. the quote unquote <laughs> legendary Pokemon. And Arcanine is there. I forget that Arcanine was originally meant to be a pseudo legendary yep. Pokemon. Mm -hmm. I constantly forget that and also the existence of ho-oh in that first episode i go okay i mean they weren't that far off from silver and gold being released as games in japan when the anime came out so you know you know it's fine it's fine it's good it's whatever um but you know i mean also if you, anybody knows the history of the creation of pokemon there it is a wild and wondrous version and there's a whole version of coded sprites that everybody's done youtube videos about of like the gen the first gen we were supposed to get and then what gen 2 was also supposed to look like that never happened you know it's all one of those things that it almost all was almost wasn't was which is just kind of so wild to think about um but uh, another moment for me that really broke my heart and made me feel lots of things was the Charmander episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
when we get the really awful British uh, uh, trainer who's got all the Pokeballs. And that's, as a kid, I went, wait, so he can have like 42, but I can only keep six on me at any one time? The fuck, man, what's that about? <laughs> yeah, that, that episode's really heartbreaking because also like it's the, re- it's the first time you really think about mortality with a Pokemon due to nature. Yep. Like we, we get that with the, mm-hmm. in the first episode with Pikachu and all of that. But like this, it's like, oh, if its tail fire goes out, it dies? Like, that's terrifying. Um, also, like, you bring up that episode, but, like, speaking of what the fuck moments, there's so much head trauma and electrocution in this show. And it's like, like, kids are getting hit in the head with Pokeballs constantly, Ash especially. Ash has been electrocuted <laughs> more times than I can count. And so have Brock and Misty at this point. Like, and I get it's a gag and it's a cartoon, but like by the third time I'm like, damn, where are your rubber gloves, Ash? Like you had them in episode one. What are you doing, buddy? Like, let's go. I get it. Pikachu's cute and likes you now, but like also I have to admit that in that first episode when Ash is running with Pikachu and Pikachu licks his nose, like that moment is like, oh, this is the <laughs> distillation of this relationship right here. Like, that's the Bond yep. moment, which which I really, really uh, I remembered favorably. But I just, it's more cartoony Yosemite Sam, like Wile E. Coyote violent than I remembered. Like, there's more yeah, yeah. like the, like the Charmander episode you're talking about at the end when Charmander lets out, like, napalm, essentially <laughs> over Team Rocket and they're just singed and run off. It's like, damn. Two two things. Uh, kids nowadays will never understand how much Pikachu was a dick, you know, in the beginning. And also, they'll <laughs> yep. never understand how much, uh, basically, Tormelian and Charizard was a dick to Ash after, you know, he saved his life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As a Charmander. Yep. Oh, yeah. Which, it's so funny to watch these and then go and watch that first movie where Charmander gets pulled out, or Charizard gets pulled out against Mewtwo, and he's like, and you're like, you literally would watch Ash die. Like, there's a good chance sometimes, like, that Charizard was a piece of shit. Um, But, you know, there's a big character arc for Charizard, and he does go away. He's another Pokemon that comes and goes from Ash quite a bit. Um, but that's why I, I also argue that the third movie is the best and my favorite, the third and fourth, because Charizard comes in and saves the day. Uh, spoiler. I mean, it's been out for <laughs> a long years. time. So you guys are fine. Um, but you know, there is that really great character arc because Ash, I think more than anyone, the one thing that I think is so wonderful about him is he doesn't care how quote unquote weak or low level his Pokemon are as long as they trust and love him and he loves them back. That's what matters, which I think is it teaches this show, I think, set a tone for my like life long friendships and the people who I am like still good friends with or the nerds I make adult friendships with are so similar to like Ash, Misty, Brock, uh, uh, Tracy, um, and even like May, a little May and Serena a little bit to a point um, for some references for some later series. But yeah, it's just, I always... I've always been an animal lover. And so I appreciated how Ash wanted to be a Pokemon master, but never at the cost of the safety or health and wellness of his Pokemon, except maybe when he literally straps Pikachu to a power plant. Right. That was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit intense. Or, 
or that the Pokemon Center just happens to keep a bunch of Pikachus around as an emergency generator. generator. That was <laughs> like, like that. That was here's a moment to be cute. Was the only purpose of that. But yes. seeing them go, Pika, 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 it was just, it was too much. Your power. <laughs> Am so I good. the only one Pika, smokes when they see Ho-Oh? Because, like, even even in the Japanese versions, my whole body is like goosebumps. Ho-Oh! Yeah. <laughs> well, Ho-Oh is so regal. And really, if there's, like, a legendary that I love, it's Ho-Oh, Lugia, and then Suicune. Um, that one, just cause Johto was my first game, which, uh, you can go to, uh, funny games with Matt and Jeff to hear me talk about my love for Pokemon silver and crystal. But, um, yeah, they're so regal because there's such a crassness, um, and almost a Neanderthalic nature to the three birds, mm-hmm. except Articuno is a bad bitch. We love her. <laughs> um, but, uh, just cause she's got a really like quafted design, um, but no, the ho oh, it's. I remember the first time I saw that as a kid and went, oh, right? what? A rainbow bird? What? <laughs> what? That might be the moment that I went, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> ho oh brought it to, um, uh, oh, sorry, this just kind of jumped out of nowhere. I don't know about you guys, but see, I don't know how it was on the Japanese Netflix. But on the American Netflix, the screen darkens on a lot of moments that could be like um, epilepsy triggers Mm -hmm. now. Because I'd be like, wait, why did my iPad screen go dark? And I went, oh, it's all the flashing lights. They toned all of it down, like with them being summoned, certain attacks, certain background moments. And I went, I don't remember that. I feel like that's something they've done for the the, um, streaming version of the show. Um, I don't know if that was in the Japanese version that you watched. No, it looked exactly the same as um, the versions I watched on the VHS. The crazy thing is it looks and sounds exactly the same, except they're not speaking English. And it's like, right. see, it's always like, Chato! It's her favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, and another reason I have to say why I had us pick the episodes we did, which I don't think was actually in it, and they messed the... Um, thumbnails because i really just wanted us to watch the episode where jesse and james come out in their first drag costumes <laughs> and james has those tiggle bitties <laughs> with his like natural hair and jesse's in like a super femme but also really masculine swimsuit and i was like i don't know what this means but i love it, <laughs> I love it. um what were some other moments for you guys that just jumped out that you either loved or you went meh what mm. I, I know it wasn't on our list, but one of the few episodes that always like like jumps out at me, even in, even in Japanese, is um the one where they uh, go back to Jesse's home. I love it when they focus on Jesse and James. Or, I said Jesse, yeah. James's. Mm-hmm. They go back to James's home, and um they have those tender moments and stuff. I love those moments, and I feel like those still hold up really well. I'm just yeah, this is some of my favorites. So then talking about, so I'll talking about that then I love, I've got, sorry, I've got it up here. I think it's the, when we maybe battlefront, yes, battle frontier, um, uh, an advanced battle, which is the Ruby Sapphire stuff when, because in the game, they introduced being a coordinator, um, and, uh, the, 
idea that we get Jesse's complete backstory of her wanting to be the number one Pokemon coordinator and she, how much she loves Pokemon. Um, which after like the first 20 or 30 episodes, uh, especially when Arbok and uh, Weezing or Ekans and Weezing um, coughing, coughing evolve <laughs> to Arbok and, uh, Arbok and Weezing, Jesse and James love their Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. Every time they get new, oh my God. In the, so I've watched all of the X and Y anime. It's the only one I've watched through multiple times. But when they both get Pumpkin, uh, Gargeist, and Inkay, and it's they literally bond with them in the same way that Ash does, I think it's really important that they have shown, I think, the biggest character development arc for Jesse and James and being like, Oh, they're not bad people, but they just did some bad things, but they've also done things that have really been redemptive and are arguably make them better people than Ash Ketchum (laughs) (laughs) at any point. But I think it's really important. I mean, a lot of animes do this where we get the idea that, um, again, it's that also that idea that was super popular at the time. Sorry. I've got two thoughts running at once. I'm going to jump back. Um, I think it's really important, even looking forward to stuff that we didn't watch and just to talk about, is that Jesse and James do get a really amazing character arc. Um, they do have them come back at one point, I remember, as like heavy villains, but it was because it's like they had no choice with like Giovanni's not letting them out. They are still part of this thing. They aren't the worst. They're still not the worst team um, or most evil team, but they've had such an amazing character journey and I love them so much. I also just still love too, that Andrew Rannells played James in Pokemon live that toured, you know, 450 cities over two years. <laughs> and he hates bringing it. He hates when people bring it up. So every time I've worked with him, I've always made sure I bring it up. Um, Cause he never remembers me between times that we worked together. Um, But the other thing that I do find really impressive about the show being on the front end of when it was cool to really care about the environment, Mm -hmm. they were putting things into this that were animal rights, environmental rights, development. It it was all pre Al Gore's inconvenient truth. It's a lot of those things where, you know, Earth Day, the Earth Day movement was being a thing um, at this point in the 90s and early 2000s. And so that's something that still honestly rings really true because a lot of the things like the Tentacool and Tentacool episode we watched, it's literally about like gentrification and development where indigenous species and indigenous people are. And I actually think that's, something that it's still like hit home really well. And I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm mad at Disney right now. It all felt very Disney developing Florida, Disney developing things that aren't theirs, mm-hmm. that the whole thing felt very much like that. Um, but those were some of those other moments that I go, Oh, this is still a show where like, uh, you could give it to almost any kid from any generation. Who's just a younger kid. And it would still somehow be in tune with them. And it was very, uh, teaching moments without being on today's very special episode of Pokemon. Ash Ketchum loses his virginity. <laughs> you know, it wasn't those moments of those after school specials. Um, so yeah, I guess broadening beyond the episodes we watched, what are some other things that still just kind of stick with you till this day about Pokemon that you just think is really important or you think is uh, just kind of why the pop culture and lexicon of the world still holds something like this worldwide? I think, I mean, 
to shout out an episode first that we didn't watch, but that's my favorite, is the episode where Ash first meets uh, the line of Gengar, um, ghastly haunting Gengar, yeah. and they pull practical jokes, and they're watching TV together. Mm. Like, it's just that line of Pokemon is also another one of my favorite lines, and so that that's still in my heart one of those one of my favorite episodes the fact that like gengar talks without opening his mouth like his te- his mouth would move but it's just a f- mouthful of teeth um, i still have issues with the human teeth that the movie gengar has in detective pikachu like so many things are great about that movie but the gengar design is nightmare fuel um, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. but like I, I i also agree matt i think that this show did a lot of great moral storytelling without throwing it at you. I'd say one of the things that didn't age well was the stuff with Misty's sisters, the mean girl stuff. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's part of the vernacular and part of like kind of shorthand for like mean, pretty sisters and we're pretty. But once they started talking about Misty's looks and like, it's just, it felt very gross, straight white guy writing a TV episode, right? Like it didn't feel Like, there was no dynamics to it. Like, they didn't call her fat or anything, which is good because I expected that and that didn't happen. But, like, calling her ugly and saying because she's ugly and untalented, she's not important. Like, all of that stuff. I was like, even a kid's show, like, let's not do that. And thankfully, a lot of shows now don't. Uh, but that was kind of the biggest standout moment. And also, just it was so easy to make her sister's valley girls who care about their beauty <laughs> instead of badass Pokemon mm-hmm. trainers. And, again, there is some gendering just, like, Brock is like the big tough guy until you get to know him, and then he's the softy, which is which is actually nice. Um, but on that other hand, Brock being just always displayed as this kind, empathic—he doesn't want to train. He wants to breed them. He wants to raise Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like him in an—it was not weird or called out at all that he was in an apron taking care of all of his siblings. Like and and mm-hmm. like sewing for them and cooking for them. There was never a moment where Ash went, "Ew, gross! What the hell is that?" Like, it was just accepted, and Ash was actually in awe of it. Like, I love that. I think that that has aged so well, and is just such a defining moment for Brock's character. And just showing how mm-hmm. and Brock is not portrayed as queer. He could be, but he's not. He's portrayed as a fairly straightforward straight male just doing that stuff and it's okay and there's nothing wrong with it and I love that I think that's yep. wonderful I do too same I love that um, so uh, you know there are those things I think in that early series but I also th- I can attest a lot of that to or contribute it to four kids trying to sound like the American shows of the time because this was also the time we were getting the Cartoon Network kind of revolution of programming of a of American animation. Mm-hmm. Um, we were getting, we were going to get the Powerpuff Girls. We were going to get the Foster's Home. We were getting those early. Um, we were getting like Dexter's Lab and Johnny Bravo and those kinds of things around this point. Um, we would be about to get the Kids Next Door. Those kinds of things. Um, and this was just before like Toonami was revolutionizing watching anime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I think this did a really gorgeous job of putting anime into the lexicon beyond just the crappy things you watch at 5.30 a.m. because it's what's right. on um, versus putting kind of something in. And also the card game um, connected with this directly. And I think 
really was part of this monolith of selling the toys and the games and the video games and the cards. Like they really, this, I, I think we brought it up on multiple of the podcasts, but this franchise should kind of be studied of their effectiveness of getting people of all communities to tap into everything that it is almost from the beginning. Because a lot of people who you, you bring up again, just mentioning the first couple lines of the theme song, joking about a poke rap, <laughs> talking about Pikachu. There are, you know, 25 years worth of people who go, Oh my God. Yeah. That's that thing. Um, now I do want us to talk about, cause this happens a lot with a lot of first genre, genre, generous generations of things. Uh, whether we're looking at power Rangers, transformers, a lot of these things, there is a lot of, nostalgia specifically for this series outside of just being it was what was around with middle school and high school why do you guys think there is so much kind of OG nostalgia about this first series of the anime it has a lot to do with the sense of wonder the adventure it's kind of like with Avatar the last airbender like it's still kind of young but it gives you that Mm -hmm. nostalgic sense of wonder that came to know in Pokemon and I think those are the things that stick with us the longest at least me <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I would also say oh sorry I didn't mean to cut you off no, no, I, I wasn't saying anything else <laughs> just bring <laughs> continue <laughs> um, but no I would also, I agree with that completely but I think that that's a big part of it and I think also it's um I think the nostalgia for this anime specifically is because it was around the time of early DBZ, which was still figuring its shit out, switching voice actors, <laughs> switching full casts, that whole nightmare. And like, um, you know, like I said, Ronan Warriors, Sailor Moon, like these were the earliest anime to come over. Um, you know, even Lupin and Yu Yu Hakusho, like those two were older, but came later. Um I could do a whole series on Lupin. <laughs> Don't let me just tell you. Talk about queer awakening. Anyway, um, uh, but like, I think that it's it's just it was it was an anime revolution. You know, as corny as that is, in mm-hmm. the U.S., these shows were what introduced us to anime and anime aesthetics. And I think Avatar is a great comparative point because you know Avatar is an American show, but it is the it was one of the first shows to do an anime style show completely here in the US and not mm-hmm. try and rip it off just try and make it feel like those shows mm-hmm. and was very successful mm-hmm. at doing that I think it's and, and also like the this show it does like I said the first couple episodes talk down to the viewer but after that they really don't and I think that's something that's Avatar's strength as well because it's meeting you where you live and not treating you like an infant you know mm-hmm. And taking, like, especially with the, the you know, the Tentacruel episode, like, they're not afraid to show you, like, this is the real world. These are the kinds of things you have to look out for and worry about. And Avatar absolutely did that. Like, that first episode of Avatar is a kiddie show, and it doesn't last very long. Like, by the time, like, they first leave mm-hmm. with Aang, already major, huge shit is going down. And yeah. I think that this also is very good in that way, you know. Even with loss, like Bye Bye Butterfree, it's it's about loss, but not in the death way, but in the, you know, mm-hmm. friendship is stronger than the space you share. And, like, honestly, that whole episode is, I think, a testament to why this show is strong and why people still love it, because it's just, 
it's it's beautifully written and it's not a beautifully written kid show it's a beautifully written mm -hmm. piece period absolutely mm. i could not have put that better matt storm thank you that's wonderful i do what i can <laughs> Oh, it's like you do this a lot. <laughs> you guys are so good with words, so eloquent. <laughs> I draw because I can't talk. Oh, please. Oh. <laughs> no, the problem is I talk too much. That. And I, you know, if I, I talk so much that you eventually kind of maybe get what I'm saying. And if not, I've just confused you. And you just go, yeah, queen, you do your thing. Just go, go. Go off, girl. <laughs> Pop off, sis. Get the tea, girl. Um, but I just, you know, I think it warms. So I want to tell a little story. Uh, and he'll never hear this. But I, I was walking back to work the other day and I'd had a really bad morning. Like, disastrously traumatic morning. And I get back and there's a little boy with his grandpa sitting on top. And he's sitting on top of an SUV, maybe four or five. And I walk up and he goes, hey, and I go, well, hey there. He goes, my name's Preston. And he's waving something in his hand. He's like, I got Pokemon stickers at Walmart. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. He was like, do you want to see my Pikachu stickers? And I was like, yeah. He was like, no, I'm a little mad there's no Squirtle because he's my favorite. And I was like, Squirtle's one of my favorite too. And he goes, you know who Squirtle is? <gasps> <gasps> he was like, Grandpa. He was like, Grandpa, that old, he's like, that old guy knows Squirtle. Why don't you know Squirtle? And I go, oh, kid. <laughs> but long story short, and he gave me a Bulba. He was like, do you want one of my stickers? I'd like to share. And so I took a Bulbasaur sticker because <laughs> I, I love Bulbasaur. Um, but like, I walked back into work with such a smile on. One, because that kid I hope he never loses that spark and charisma because that kid's going to run the world one day <laughs> or he's going to make a, he's going to create a genre that's going to be amazing. But like, I literally have 31 years on that kid probably. And the fact that we could both bond for those moments over something so adorable as this, it's really important. And it's why people look at me and I go, no, Pokemon's really important to me. There's just, you all can't see. There's also like a hundred Pokemon plush right above my head. Um, so we're not going to get into my control, but purchase of control issues. Um, but I, just the fact that it's truly generational and the idea that like we're at a point where parents can sit down now and like pull out their binders of Pokemon cards with their kids and be really excited about it. And they can bond because I don't know about you guys, but there wasn't always things I could bond with my parents over, um, especially because my parents are boomers. So they're a little bit older. Um, and, you know, they had a colder relationship with their, their parents, which was just generational. It was what was expected. Um, but like, I love Muppets because my dad and I bonded so tightly over Muppets um, that like, I love knowing that generations now can have things like Pokemon to bond over and really tie them. And sure, maybe you're not going to think your dad is cool after a couple years, <laughs> but you're probably gonna, like, you're going to make your dad's couple of years for you know liking pokemon too or maybe you then are inspired and you love because let's be honest this this franchise ain't dying anytime soon nope. she's sticking around <laughs> for i hope another 25 years god i don't even know what the games would look like in 50 years i or 25 years from now i don't know if i'll be alive in 25 years but like here we are but sorry again rambling doing that thing i do long story long i 
I just think it's a testament to the real special thing that the, the, the Japanese Pokemon company put together when they were developing this and they were developing the show and the games that is just so important. And we've gotten a couple other things like this. I like, I would argue avatar, the last airbender, mm -hmm. Steven universe, things where the franchises aren't as monolithic from a capitalist standpoint, but from an emotional and like generationally connective standpoint, I think this show and this video game does what, contemporary animation now does in a way that allows contemporary animation to do it and it's kind of bond us in a human way um and so i don't know for me i think that's why it's so so important to me i don't know about you guys but i would love to hear your thoughts yeah that's super beautiful thanks <laughs> yes i mean i um i wish my husband was here he's got some great pokemon stories he um <laughs> He was telling me just yesterday that he's a personal trainer by trade. And so before we moved here and he taught English, he was teaching uh, strength training. And he had a couple of his young teenagers that, you know, kind of having a rough time in school. Their parents put them in the gym to try and get them to, you know, get motivated about mm -hmm. something, get back in shape. And, um, and he's trying to connect with these kids. And um, one of them you know, it's like talking about Pokemon and he goes over and he's able to talk to them about it. And they're like, their minds are blown. They're like, you know what Pokemon is? And he's like, I've been playing Pokemon longer than you've been alive. And he's like, it's not even a lie anymore. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but he was able to connect with them on a personal level and, and they were able to grow and flourish over the years he worked with them. And it was amazing just Seeing them become friends with someone, even though they considered him, you know, an old guy. We're not <laughs> that old, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, to be able to connect with people through something that is so beautiful and so beloved and so entertaining and fun. And the company does a good job of not making it feel like, you know, Disney, how it's like shoving it down your throat, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Mm -hmm. It's more like here are different ways to interact with this beautiful world that we've crafted. And if more companies do that and take a page out of Pokemon, I think the world will be a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And uh, for me, um, I'm an only child. So basically uh, my cousin, um, he's two weeks younger than me, or I'm sorry, older than me. And just by watching the TV show and playing the games together, you know, like that really helped us bond at, uh, together as kids. And now we're kind of like inseparable and like, you know, it makes it like I have a brother, you know, that's how close I am with my cousin. So mm -hmm. it brought us closer together. And that's why one of the reasons why I hear uh, I hold Pokemon so dear to my heart. I love that. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember the 20th anniversary commercial they released and it wasn't even really to sell anything it was just celebrating pokemon and it was literally like two generations of people playing pokemon together um and then when they took you through and it was that one kid and then the end of it was him introducing his kids to it and i was like bawling the first day that released at comic-con i was like Oh my yeah. and so i'm i'm hoping i think because we're i I figured out the Pokemon turned 25 this year and I jumped on the chance for us to do this kind of event. So I'm hoping that Pokemon and Game Freak will do some cool stuff this year. Um, uh, 
for that. So I'm, uh, but that was one of those things that like, it's just, you know, we all got those things that are special and this is just one of those things that's so special to me. And it's also fun to see people who maybe years ago would have scoffed at you for liking Pokemon, who know all the Pokemon names now because of Pokemon Go. And it's like totally revolutionized. It's crossed into so many different generations of people and just things, which I just, it's truly, I hope it's like, I hope we're getting to the point now that we've got some like digital storytelling programs and stuff where it's actually studied because again how they build a demographic and know that most of that demographic is going to age out in two years but they know they're going to get more another demographic they found this little wedge that is just genius and i love that um but so i know matt storm's answer to this but dan and bitsy because uh you all are new you're new friends you're new on this journey with me um i would love to know what your favorite Pokemon are. Like if you've got one or two that are just, just your favorite, um, what those Pokemon are to share with everybody at home. Because the most polarizing thing for a lot of people is who your favorite Pokemon are or like what your go-to type is for Pokemon. I feel like I have such a typical answer. I hate that it's like everyone's favorite, but I love Vulpix. I love Vulpix so much. And then, um, more than like equally as much. I also really love Mew because Mew can shape shift. And I just mm -hmm. like, it's just the best. I don't know. It's like, it's like a cop out, but I genuinely just love Mew so much. The movie and everything like the, the history and why, you know, how Mewtwo came about and how they tested mm -hmm. on it. And it's just like, I just, I want to be this Pokemon's friend and I want to <laughs> love it forever. And <laughs> I want it to be happy. Listen, there's nothing wrong with it just because, like, the cute Pokemon should be the most liked. I told Matt, and this will be on their episode, but the anime is to blame of why I love Dedenne so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't care about Dedenne at all in the games. And then this little nugget popped up in the anime, and I went, oh, I love you. I want to protect you. I want no one to ever hurt you. Um, but you know what? I don't actually think Vulpix gets enough love. One... I think even when we give them a hard time for like, oh, great, we need a vanilla ice cream Pokemon. Thanks. We need a haunted sandcastle. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's 890 of them at this point. Like they get they get a car blanche to do whatever they want. But like those aesthetically beautiful Pokemon, I just chef's kiss and Vulpix and Ninetales are one of those. I was thinking the other day that I was like, why haven't we had a a series of gyms or something or I would love to see someone who's like a duality trainer who only has Vulpix or only has like Sandshrew, but they've got a lowland Vulpix and regular Vulpix and it's a fire and ice thing. Like I also it's cause I'm just starting to watch my hero. So, you know, the <laughs> combinations of, I, I also love a, the, because I'm insanely bipolar and things I love discovering duality and talking about it but one i think vulpix is just so beautiful and i love that brock gets a vulpix later on i just think it's so interesting um and nine tails is just regal as fuck and no one will ever it's the same as rapidash i was like she regal as hell and then when she became psychic type i was just like i've never needed anything more in the world yeah and uh listen this is a call to the pokemon company i don't have a galarian ponytop plush yet because y'all ain't made it what are y'all, the game's been almost out for a year. 
get it together. Or it has been on out for over a year. So get it together. I need my glaring ponytail plush. Get it to me. <laughs> How about you, Dan? Who's your who? Who is your like couple favorites? I'm gonna have to go with uh, top three, uh, Lucario, just because of the design. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the top three. And then I'm gonna go with uh, with Gengar, just because you know mischievous. Um, also, you know, pretty fluid in the show, um, just like the animation. Um, and also the design, and then mm-hmm. lastly, Squirtle because of the Squirtle Squad. So, I love that. I love that. I mean, did you say three? You had three. You had a top three. Yeah, I said three. Yeah, uh, the first one was Lucario because of the design. Oh, great. Yeah, sorry, you just glitched out and I didn't hear Lucario. Lucario is a badass. I love Lucario, and then Mega Lucario is just Chef's kiss, like just <laughs> so good. But I'm also a sucker. I loved when we got when we got Mega Pokemon. I was like, mm, good as as it should be. Good, good, good. We could sit here all day and just talk about our favorite Pokemon. Just start listing them. There's so many. Uh. Honestly, the Pokey fan cast. I honestly, Betsy, you might have just. Matt Matt Storm, you know what just happened. You know what just you happened. You got an idea for another podcast. I got a glimmer for another. Got an idea for another podcast. And it's all your fault, Betsy. It's all your fault. You're welcome. Which just, which just means if I do utilize it, you'll just have to be the first guest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I I uh, yeah I I'm sure we could keep going in circles, but I just I. Okay, I also want to know because I didn't I, ask Matt and Jeff this. Do I, I not meant get to, to share my sorry, favorite Pokemon? Oh, you do. I'm sorry. Rude. I because I know you I'm, know, I'm but sorry, the listeners I know already, don't. I didn't. They didn't, and I didn't say either. So Matt Storm, throw it out there. Tell so us. I have a few, but like it's not a secret who one of them is. I'm showing on video camera my multitude of Bulbasaur and Bulbasaur adjacent. Um, I love the Bulbasaur line. I I. Uh, it was my favorite in the cartoons. It was my favorite in Gen 1. Um, and so Bulbasaur, Venusaur, and Ivysaur, I love all of them. But uh, I think up there with them is Coughing. Again, due to the anime, I just love Coughing's voice work, like the voice acting of Coughing in the show, which endeared me to the character. Also, Galarian Weezing is the best version of Weezing. I don't even want the regular so version good. of Weezing anymore. <laughs> Um, and then Gengar also, uh, like Denny said, um, Gengar, it's just the design of Gengar is really cool. I like Gasoline Haunter, but Gengar is just where it's at. It's big, like mm-hmm. round loaf shaped <laughs> ghost Pokemon. I love it. Hashtag thick boy. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> People love Gengar. I've always preferred Haunter. I don't know. I just that's like them pointy, I guess. <laughs> I guess like so. <laughs> I think, well, I think there are two camps. There are either Haunter people or Gengar people because they are two very different Pokemon and it makes sense why they're in the same, in the same line together. But I would also argue competitively, you're doing two different things with Haunter and with Gengar when you're using them because one still has some poison attributes to it as well. So I, you know, I think it just depends on what you're doing, but it's also hard to not like not like Gengar, I love him. I, I just wish there were two separate Pokemon lines because I'd love for them each to have their own designated evolves mm-hmm. instead of having to give up my Haunter mm-hmm. to get a Gengar because mm-hmm. I'm like, I love my Haunter and I always give them like personalities and I'm like, I love you, I don't want you to change. <laughs> 
I don't know. I think you could argue that you could give your haunter an Everstone. Like you get you get the haunter and then you're like, hold this baby, never lose it. <laughs> hold on, you're not evolving, baby. You're not evolving. Um, well, also because Gengar, oh, I mean, in the games you have to train him. So like, it's not exactly easy, especially if you were like a solo solo yeah. player and it was not easy to get Gengar. Um, so, you know, and in the anime, we never see a haunter evolve to a Gengar. So, you know, it's one of those things. I also, I love any of the spooky yeah. boys. Like, like later on, give me Punkaboo, <laughs> give me Inkay. I love the, I love the little spooky boys. Oh, Mimikyu. Oh, yes. Let me cue it the best. Let me let me say all the ways. Though, okay, one year I gave my buddy Alex a little mimicue. He sure enough sent me pictures of that thing turning around on his shelf. <laughs> Literally, the mimicue turning on his shelf when he's across the room from it. I was like, that's not my problem that your shit is haunted. <laughs> It's not, but I was like, of course, the cute little ghost would go live in a Mimikyu. I love that. Um, I love that. Oh, oh, but Matt, I guess I got to give different answers than what I gave on y'all's show. You don't have to. Oh, I don't have to. I mean, I'm also always going to say Gengar. I love Gengar. I, again, I say this as often as I can. My friends say that I am a Gengar in two Clefable or two Clefairy in a trench coat as a human being. Um, I also wish someone would explore the duality of why Clefairy and Gengar have, or Clefable and Gengar have the exact same outline. Yeah, they're the same shape. The silhouette of each mm-hmm. other. They're the same shape. That would be fun. You just, you have a Clefable and you have a Gengar. That's your whole <laughs> team. Um, uh, but I, I'm also, I am a sucker for every single evolution. Like Espeon is my favorite. <laughs> rep them. Also what nobody has been able to tell this whole time, um, that I, uh, we've been holding up merchandise this whole time. Like just, we, we just keep all holding up merchandise. Well, it's Matt Stone and Matt Stone, Matt Stone. Who the fuck is Matt Stone? Matt Storm. Uh, Matt Storm, uh, was holding up merchandise as well. Um, but all of the evolutions are just stunning. And again, this is another thing. Pokemon company, Game Freak, where the fuck are our other evolutions? Right. Y'all, y'all. Y'all done release Sword and Shield. Y'all done release Sword and Shield with no evolution out of a British and Scottish place. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all could have given us fighting. You could have given us. Oh my God, a ghost evolution coming off the moors. Yes. Or. <laughs> um, or give us the ghost. Yeah, give us the ghost version. Give us the fighting version. Give us something like dude when i was 13 i'm I'm ready (laughs) i i straight up i drew a picture and mailed it to game freak it didn't get all the way there i didn't write the japanese address correctly so it came (laughs) back like three months later but i mailed them an evolution it's mechleon the steel evolution i designed it i wrote a whole letter to them and i mailed it to game freak and it was like seven (laughs) dollars And it didn't I still have that piece of paper, that letter I sent them. Um, I I say tweet it to them, especially now that you're like an artist and a comic book writer. Like, yo, put it out there. Like, 
hashtag Mechleon for the win or something. I don't know. What's a better hashtag? Do it. Listen, well, I mean, but couldn't that be a really cool contest for them? Because we've seen evolution artwork for years from every level of fan from, you know, four-year-old hand drawing with crayon to like brilliantly designed evolutions, like doing a contest where you literally submit your work to them and, and then they do a fan. I'm also back from the days where like, they'd be like, one fan is going to be animated into your favorite show. One fan is going to show up on your next episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, but I don't hear us out. I just, uh, I lo- a lot of people like, let's go Eevee, let's go Pikachu because of how it worked with um, Pokemon Go. Also, it was a nice 3D remake of, of mm-hmm. Kanto. That was fun. Um, but you know, we've been clamoring, especially a lot of us that played Pokemon uh, Coliseum have been clamoring for a game with Eevee starters. And I was like, what do you mean the Eevee doesn't evolve? What do you mean the Eevee doesn't evolve? What's wrong with you? Y'all, what? who hurt you, Game Freak? Who hurt you, Pokemon Company? Well, who made you like that? So again, long story long. But also, as an adult who often thinks that I probably would have started my own evil team at this point because I'm like one step away from starting a cult. Like, honestly, having a podcast is kind of like being a cult leader. It's just way less creepy. It's kind of like being it's kind of like running an MLM kind of. Um, But I really uh, I'll say this like a shout out to Malomar. Like, bitch is terrifying. N.K. Is it Mal- Malamar? No. Something like Am I making... Mm, it definitely starts with an M. Uh, <laughs> uh, NK Evolution. Um, but NK is so cute, and I love NK in the anime. Oh, yeah, Malamar. Um, because in both the cards, her Pokedex entry and in the anime, they're literal maniacal sentient beings who are always just like one inch away from taking over all of humanity mm-hmm. which is just um the more i look at it and go i could have a malamar intent to cruel team that could work i love cephalopods <laughs> <laughs> i'd be that asshole water trainer um but yeah i don't well and it's you know it's funny as an adult i always everybody's like well i would run this gym i would run that gym but i was like okay let's be honest we would all probably be an npc along the way (laughs) you'd be hiding in the grass somewhere you'd be sitting in a um because when they introduced like ace trainers cool trainers and they were all really sleek and like very fashion forward i was like "Ooh, i want to be an ace trainer they get solid outfits they're all along victory road sometimes they beat the shit out of you in a way that the the gym trainers don't um because i feel like it's got to be really stressful being a gym leader but also like how many times do you lose as a gym leader before they're like so we at the official pokemon league are removing you as a gym leader because it's like how I know the whole point is for like, they want to send really good trainers to the elite four, but it's like, you gotta go there day in and day out. And you've got your like team of people you oversee cause you have all the, the gym leaders you gotta get past. But like, y'all all have to lose all day. Like that's your whole job is to hopefully lose. If you're, right. you know, you're gonna beat a lot of the trainers, but it's like, that's gotta be exhausting. Like that's gotta hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Like everyone asks who the Mr. Serious, the mysterious gym leader Sabrina is, but never nobody asks Ow. how <laughs> the mysterious gym leader Sabrina is. I will say I was terrified of psychic Pokemon for years because of the Sabrina episodes of the anime. They are creepy. Freaky. creepy. I was terrified. So between that and they part, they always pair with the Lavender Town episodes, um, which. Yeah. Um, one more thing before we wrap up. Have any of you all watched when they do the limited series? They did it for the twenty the twentieth, and then they're doing it now. I think it's called it's not Legends now. Um, Generations, I believe, isn't it? But like Game Freak Generations, yes. Um, they made Generations, and I think it's Generations again, um, where you're just following parts through the game but they are the people from the game it's not the anime and they're little bits they're actually really good and i would kind of love a more adult anime series like if they did a common writer approach to pokemon like i would really kind of like that i don't know about you all but i would love if if pokemon (laughs) company and game freak made something that's a little darken it up just a little like what happens to the adults in this world we followed the kids a lot but Give us some some more day-to-day of the the adults in this world. <laughs> well, you have to think that's where we're headed, right? Detective Pikachu was a huge success. Mm-hmm. They were they smartly didn't start with an Ash story or a Red story, but we got a little glimpse of who I'm assuming is Red in this universe in, when they're showing the stadium yeah. fight. And so mm-hmm. I have to assume when we shift to the trainer's perspective, if they do that, if they don't just do a Detective Pikachu 2, which would also be welcome... But if we see that world, yeah, um, it's going to be a little more grown up, right? Because even the character mm-hmm. that Justice Smith plays, like he's supposed to be a young kid, even though he looks a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, they dealt with a lot of adult things, like the stress of catching a Pokemon, mm-hmm. how it doesn't always work out, how people do get hurt. Um, I just, I, you know, even shades of death and disappearance. And so I think that if mm-hmm. if Pokemon Company spins off detective pikachu into some kind of pokemon johto journeys or something we're, we're going to see that side of it there which makes sense mm-hmm. to me i feel like doing movies for that makes sense an adult series would be cool too um i would love for them to mm-hmm. build a cinematic universe with pokemon in the same way that marvel's kind of done with like mm-hmm. these different mm-hmm. or like give us a tv series about brock losing his family mm-hmm. becoming a trainer or like misty like Becoming a trainer, like I would love like origin stories for the trainers or gym leaders. I think that would be really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Why why did these gym leaders choose their types? Like why is Brock a rock mm-hmm. type? Is it because like for me and my my mental like origin is because everything was so unstable in his life. He wanted stable rock hard Pokemon to like to protect <gasps> him and hold him up, kind of a thing. Like that that's where my brain goes. Shit just got deep. Yeah, that's very Hello, deep. Thank you, Pokemon Therapy. <laughs> I just thought the town is like flavor. Yeah, I mean that could be it too. That could be it too. I mean it is the pewter gym, so you know. Mm-hmm. How about you guys? How would you guys feel about the kind of universe expanding into something that's a little darker, more adult for? For those of us that have been around for a while and don't, like, I don't find myself running back to the anime always for this show. Um, but I do always play the games and stuff. But, you know, if they did anything like Topeka Pikachu, I would be there in a second. What do you guys think about that? Definitely. and uh, for, for Dan and Bitsy. Definitely. I'm all, all for it. Um, also, just have to 
reference the Pokemon manga. Um, basically, yep. I believe mm-hmm. it's Blue versus uh, Koga, and uh, his Charmeleon slices the uh, the Arbok in half that Koga uses. The dark in the manga. Oh, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So all for the dark tones. A realistic violence as well. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, the manga is pretty violent. I think it would be good. I definitely think that um, having stuff for you know multiple audiences is is a smart move. You know, just from a company standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be really enjoyable to see an older trainer, maybe someone new. Like you yeah. know, we've mm-hmm. seen all these characters. They've beaten them to death. There's you know we've just it's like we've been there done that kind of a lot so it'd kind of be nice to start fresh but then you kind of lose some of the nostalgia so like i would like to see like you said about brock because he is older and seeing like how he progresses after ash leaves and like Mm -hmm. how he grows as a person and maybe maybe follow him in his 20s or something you know young 20s that would be cool and yeah definitely definitely adding more of the uh mature flavor without you know you don't have to take it to the extreme but just growing up a little just growing up a little yep well it's interesting that you bring that up betsy because there's actually some talk on the internet that when pokemon journeys right now which for the first time is being uploaded straight to netflix Mm -hmm. it's not i don't think it's being broadcast for the first time i'm sure it is in syndication um but it's being released straight to Netflix that go has been introduced. And that after Pokemon journey, go is going to be the new protagonist of the show. And Ash will no longer be the focus of the Pokemon series, which I think if you're looking at, like, even if they do it in two years for the 25th of the cartoon, maybe it's time we let us catch him at ash catch him go because like I, you know i agree they tried they did pokemon chronicles for a while which is where we see all the npcs we see the side characters getting their one or two episodes um but like sword and shield has introduced some really interesting fun and also very sexy characters. oh yeah <laughs> Um, not the teen characters, God. No, but those two... Oh, we talk about this on Funny Games, Matt and Jeff. I'm so excited for everybody here. But there's just, like, somebody at Nintendo and Game Freak is into Barra Boys because... Right? They're just some hot, thick men and gorgeous, like, supermodel women. Like, that is all Sword and Shield is. Um, so to now see all of them showing up on the anime is so interesting. Um, but I don't know. I guess as we... The last question for you all. How do you feel about the time of Ash Ketchum on the anime maybe coming to an end. How do you all feel about that? Good. <laughs> Let someone else have the spotlight for one. I agree. I absolutely I like agree. I think years ago. I agree. Like I think maybe like 15 years ago would have been a great time. Like we should have left Ash in the past. Because I question how long we've mm-hmm. actually been on this journey because he's still even a young teenager um at this point. It's the Alola thing. They should have cast someone new for Alola, and that could have been that. And it should have happened then, because new Ash, different Ash, alternate universe mm-hmm. Ash, what? Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. weird. It's yeah. weird. Like, when... you could have had any fun character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... And Al- <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. And Alola was a really nice art style change for them, too, and it would have been a great restart. Yeah. Also, a great, different, different character. And I know it's not always a focus, especially for in kind of Japanese culturally, but for us in the West, giving us a, like, 
uh, if Hop had been the center of of starting in Alola, um, and it been an act like a character of color who is not Asian or white, I think could have been really cool. And again, that's me as a overly woke white Westerner looking in culturally. Um, but Hop was a really fun character. Yeah. Oh, or a girl. Yeah, we've we've had so many we've had so many really great female characters that always end up walking away or putting their Pokemon dreams to the side. Um, But I also was thinking while we were talking, that would be amazing. That would be so cool. Um, But I also thought I was like, wouldn't it be fun if we saw somebody whose parents wouldn't let them go on their Pokemon journey and they became like a lawyer or like Justice Smith's character who's an insurance (laughs) thing? What if in the next Detective Pikachu, it's his dad is like pushing him out on the road and he has to go back and do like do the kid's journey at like 24? But like how different you treat. I think it's so like standing next to the other people in line to fight the gym later like i'm yeah. really nervous guys <laughs> or or when or early on in a thing where it's like trainer joey and you're like whoa aren't you kind of aren't you kind of old you know creeper out here in the viridian forest just waiting for kids to battle it's like no man i just man i just i'm sorry my squirrel's new man i just gotta get ready for the gym leader i don't know man i don't know what to tell you <laughs> so good. oh my god um, well i have to thank you all so much for being on the show with me today and just kind of celebrating pokemon in all of its forms so we're gonna start with bitsy if you want to tell everyone a little about about what you create and then where they can find you online Sweet, yeah. I um, create a manga, so Japanese stylized comic book, and uh, it's about a gamer girl. And like I said, video games are a huge theme. Everything we do is like alternate universe, alternate you know, video games, world building. And uh, we have a Kickstarter going on. So if you're interested in gamer girls and epic you know, battles, along with a little teenage romance thrown in for some spice, <laughs> then yeah, come on over to Maiden in Disguise on kickstarter and find me bitsy tandem anywhere i am everywhere uh at least i try my best (laughs) maybe not so much on twitter Uh oh (laughs) twitter can be a very dark realm to exist in just forget about it man (laughs) just like oh yeah i have a twitter account oops (laughs) how about you dan where can we find you online And, and what what all do you do over at geek elite so I um, have a show with Mitch. Uh, we took a small hiatus, uh, but we're going to go jump back into it. Uh, we basically compare the uh, DC shows that are on the CW to their comic book counterparts and see what they got wrong, didn't get wrong, and roast the show as we can, uh, or the shows, I should say. And also post memes on the Geekly Facebook page. And then lastly, yeah, that's pretty much all I do. Uh, lastly, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and also on the Twitter sphere. Amazing. I love. I know you guys were talking crap about it. <laughs> and Matt Storm, tell us, give us all of your info. So uh, the best way to find everything that I'm working on is you can go to djstormageddon.com. Um, it has links to all the podcasts I produce, host. Uh, my uh, Twitch page, my uh, social media, my merch store, my Patreon, literally all of that stuff. Um, the best social media place to find me is either 
on uh, Twitter or TikTok at DJ underscore Stormageddon. Um, I'm on Instagram as well, but I don't post as much there other than promoting the stuff that I'm working on. Um, but I am in more conversation on uh, on Twitter. Uh, Facebook can die in a fire as far as I'm concerned. I have it out of obligation. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think I would point folks to Fun and Games of all the podcasts just because we are going to have an episode about the history of Pokemon and video games. We talk about the anime and the movies a little bit too, but we focus mostly on the games and Maddie is our guest. Um, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts and that's at Fun and Games Pod at, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Well, thanks everybody. Uh, so I'm going to release you all back to your universe to go catch them all. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Whether it's Squirtle, Bulbasaur, Tepig, or even Oshawott, everyone remembers their first starter Pokemon. For 25 years, the Pokemon franchise has been delighting children and adults worldwide. February 27th is Pokemon Day, and in honor of this prolific 25th anniversary, your friends at Certain Point of View want to give you an ultimate anniversary crossover. Starting with Saturday Morning Confidential, Let's Rewatch, Another Past Podcast, The Serial Killer Radio Hour, and Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff will bring you an ultimate crossover event of your favorite certain POV hosts, as well as guests from outside the network. Join us for nostalgia over movies, TV, music, and the games that have inspired generations of gamers. We will even be joined by Pokemon voice actress Erica Schroeder and talk about her over 400 episodes on the series voicing some of your favorite Pokemon. So don't forget, check out CertainPOV.com for all of our crossover events starting February 26th on Saturday Morning Confidential and Let's Rewatch and continuing through March 5th. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because it's time to catch them all. Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming. Well, trainers, that's the first part of our Pokemon 25 crossover adventure done. If you had fun with this, head right over right now to let's rewatch and listen to my episode with the gang as we break apart Pokemon 2000, the power of one. It's the one that you're not going to want to miss. And then coming next week, Serial Killer Radio Hour, we have Erica Schroeder, a voice of many of your favorite Pokemon and human characters from the Pokemon universe. I mean, seriously, she's been in over 400 episodes. Don't forget to check out another past podcast where Casey and his new co-host Sam and I 
breakdown, Pokemon the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, which hits right in the nostalgia buttons. And then we're going to wrap up our Pokemon event as I sit down with Matt and Jeff on Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff as we talk about the legacy and lineage of Pokemon as a gaming franchise. You're going to love all of these, so make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, and download on your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find all of these episodes at certainpov.com. Now join us next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.